0: Welcome to the Dixie Pauls Podcast. My name's Travis. And this is Luke. We are Southern Men, De-Reconstructing the South. Anyways, I started off being post-mill because uh, Paul quotes Psalm one ten one that um, he is ruling and reigning until every enemy has made his footstool. And I was just like, oh, oh. Uh, Okay, so Paul talks about it like he's ruling and reigning right now. And, well, then Christ says that all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Oh, so so all the nations are supposed to not only be, you know, have the gospel just in that country. Like, we're not supposed to just translate the Bible into their language but the disi- the nations will be discipled. And, and that's a very victorious, and I don't, I don't see how we can get around this, that Christ expects us to actually disciple the nations. Not a representative of each nation, but the actual nations itself. And, and that's, if we're going to be consistent here, we can't see the Holy Spirit as a failure because the Holy Spirit is who accomplishes all of this in time and space.
1: Yeah, so the Great Commission is the first passage that got me into post-millennialism. The second is Matthew 16, 17 through 19. Um, and this is, you know, Peter professing Christ uh, Jesus as the Christ, and uh, after he, you know, Simon Peter says, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Jesus answered him, saying, "Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not, shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven." And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So, you know, despite the Roman Catholic misgivings about that first part about the rock, right, the whole, the whole crux of the post-millennial element of this is that latter portion, which is the gates of hell, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're on the offensive. We're not on the defense. We're, we're going to batter down the gates of hell. Like it's it's pretty straightforward right, imagery but, there,
0: but everyone in the American church, it's like, oh well, that that just means that the that, that the church is going to be a remnant, and that you know we're we're going to be washed away with this, that you know the onslaught of the of the pagans out here. But w- once I realized what was actually being said there, because no preacher actually wants to say that. A lot of of the preachers wants to make the gates out to be, like, something offensive, and gates are always defensive. Like, if we just take it for what it is, gates are defensive. So, yeah, like, we're supposed to be battering down the doors and, and, you know, even conquering Hades itself.
1: Well, I mean, as Christians, we should adopt the attitude that, oh, look, we're surrounded. That means we can't miss (laughs) <laughs> that should be our attitude, you know, <laughs> you know, fire everywhere. You know, you can't miss no matter what direction you fire it. Right. Um, the, the, the second part of this is uh, really contemplating the provision that God has given us. And this is something that, uh, you know, I've got a long spiel that I go down with people about this and I can give it here in a moment if you really want to listen to it, but. You know, we have the Trinity, the, the Trinity, the Godhead, providing for us. And he's given us everything that we need. And he says, he talks about the riches, he talks about the land, he talks about the cattle, he talks about the children. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you. Right? And it's, it's about enacting that which God has told us to enact. It's about being wise. It's about being thorough. It's about being uh, full in our approach uh, to, to life. Um, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about this and we, in, in regards to the family, for instance, in our parental responsibilities. You know, the, the, the father turns his heart to his wife and he starts living with his wife according to how Christ deals with the church. And then he turns his heart to his children. And it's that that motif of the unity of the family under the leadership of the husband and the and the father that redirects, reorients the family. And, and through that, God blesses them, the whole family, not just one person in that family, right? So um, it's, it's the larger picture. You know, we, we, we think about all the big gates and all the enemies that are surrounding us, but we don't think about who's on our side. And we just assume that we're destined to lose. We're always going to be oppressed and afflicted. And the, the, the only way I can think of it is, um, the way that it, it comes to my mind is, it doesn't matter if you're going to suffer. It doesn't matter if you're going to be afflicted. Stand up and act like a man, because your father's the king. You don't have the option of acting like a slave. You don't have the option of acting like a beat-down, oppressed minority of the world. You have the obligation to stand up, to present yourself as someone who is there to bring honor and dignity to the name of your father. And you don't have the option of being pessimistic when you do that. (laughs) Because your daddy's God. He is the He is the Almighty God of heaven and earth, who's created all things, all powerful, all knowing, ever present, perfect in justice and goodness, and truth and beauty. How are you going to lose with that?
0: Well, that kind of like goes back to what I was saying earlier. Is is, is if we're if we're going to be consistent. So you know, one of the things as Christians we should do is we should think trinitarianly and and if we're going to lose right now then then we have to look at look and admit you know if, if we have a pessimistic outlook of the future we have to look and admit that the holy spirit is a failure and that's blasphemy <laughs> <laughs> if you really i mean like if you really want to get down to brass tacks because the holy spirit accomplishes in in our in, in the christian life Everything that Christ has already given to us, we are ambassadors of Christ, as Paul says, and therefore we have the the full scope and authority, theologically, not ontologically, that Christ has. So whenever he says that the, that the Father has given to me everything, now you go because you have the power that I give you as ambassadors. So so an ambassador say. A uh, U.S. ambassador going to, um, I don't know, um, screw off a stand or something like that, has the full <laughs> backing of the United States behind that ambassador because that ambassador speaks for the country he is ambas- he is representing. Right. And this should change. This should change our entire outlook of the future, and we shouldn't be retreating and retreating and giving up ground sometimes like right now i think in in this time is um we need a strategic retreat and to rally the troops home and to get a game plan down and to you know but but a strategic retreat is not a bad thing but rather it's it's something that is advantageous for the long-term goal so the war's already been won christ already defeated death right now what we're doing is is we're is we're working that out in time to actually accomplish that for Christ, like so. So one of the things is, is God ordains the ends and the means. He's already accomplished the ends. We're the means that He uses. So it it should it should really excite us and humble us that Christ decided to use you know some redneck from Alabama to uh, to accomplish His. authority in advancing his empire across the entire globe but but i'm not saying that i'm going to go out there and and, you know claim christendom in the middle of iran but rather i'm going to claim christendom in the station that he has assigned for me where i'm planted to to use a very cliche cliche phrase um it's kind of like the parable of the talents so a, a a man's given five talents and the other two talents, and they both double their talents. But the one that only gives one, well, he is that guy that's unhappy with his station in life, and and wants something more than he's actually been given. But he's scared to lose that which he's actually been given, so he goes and hides it. And, and I liken these, you know, to to bring it back to the to the whole theme of our podcast. I liken that to the to the ones that grew up in these small country towns. And they decided, oh, I don't like the station that God's given me, so they go run off to a big city somewhere, and they completely uproot themselves. I probably just took that on a whole other side trail right there, but
1: yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a rabbit trail, but... Uh...
0: But but, but um... it kind of goes in with the, with the entire theme of how do we actually conquer where we're at for Christ, right? So how, how, how do we conquer Alabama? Well, it starts with the county that you're in first. So be faithful in the station that God has given you. You know, have godly offsprings, uh, plant trees that your kid are that your kids are going to sit under and your grandkids are going to sit under, and that's how you you establish Christendom in your station to actually accomplish the bigger picture of making disciples of all the nations. Like, sure, it's good to have some... uh, Hold on. It's good to have some telescopic philanthropy out there, but you haven't been given Haiti. You've been given, you know, freaking, you know, somewhere in Mississippi or somewhere in Alabama. You know, you're given Richmond, Virginia. You're given, you know, uh, Dansville Gap or something like that.
1: Right. I mean, I, I would even... Step this back a bit. Like we've been talking, you know, you got to start with your family. You know, if your if your family isn't in good in good order and you aren't ruling your family properly, then instead of worrying about your county or your state or even your city, you need to worry about your family. And once you've got yourself into a position where you're you're living properly with your family, then you can spread yourself out to say your church. Well, the other people in your church need this too, especially if you believe that they're your your brother and sister in Christ. So you need to be you need to be proselytizing to them about the glories of having a, a wonderful home life. About making sure that you are, are dwelling with your wife according to knowledge, that you're um, raising your children properly, that you're teaching them properly, that you're not letting them be indoctrinated with evil. Right. And as you spread that minor bits of influence throughout, you know, that, that's, that is the dominion because we're here to win hearts, right? We want, we want the spirit of God to enter these people's hearts. We want these people to love God first and foremost. And then, you know, through extension, they'll love their, their communities. They'll love their churches and they'll love their people. And that's really, that's really where we have to start. And I mean, I, I'm, what you're talking about is very important, and you know we we emphasize that heavily. Um, but you gotta you gotta have children who want to sit under the tree. You could plant the tree, but if children don't want to be there, they won't be there.
0: Yeah, I can see that a lot with uh, some guys that I know. You know, they they want to go out and have these huge ministries. They want to, you know, uh, um, as they would say, now they're in a totally different vein of. Of uh, theology than I am I, a lot of them are still fairly charismatic but um, that's one of the problems right there is they don't have any proper biblical founding they don't have a theological grounding to actually win the world and make disciples
1: But they probably don't have any accountability either
0: oh no no definitely not they would never submit themselves to a, a legitimate church government uh, right. but they, they want these giant ministries they want to you know you know, create this, this vast empire or whatever, but meanwhile, I'm, I'm looking at them and, you know, every problem, excuse me, every family has their problems, but most people's families, their problems aren't visible to the outside world, but these people, their familial problems like you can spot them a mile away. Like I, I mean, I met these people the first time, and I'm just like, man, they've got a lot of baggage.
1: And, and yeah.
0: I'm, not, I, I'm not casting um, casting stones at them or anything, but it's just an observation I made. Well, it, you know, it
1: robs credibility from anything that they're trying to do for the kingdom.
0: Well, it does. It does. I mean, okay, so just take for instance, you know, just a hypothetical example. You know, you 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 grow up. You know, I'm not saying. Let's see you go into church and you know you have a child who's um who's eight at the time whenever you finally you know you um you get you know the holy spirit gives you a new heart and uh you you become a christian you start living the christian life well at eight years old you can probably you know um disciple your daughter in a better way but whenever you do that in in you, you claim to be you claim the name of Christ and she sees hypocrisy in the home and then she turns uh, 16 or 17, and God forbid even younger than that and, and she just starts going out and being promiscuous. You cannot really reel that in, but you've abdicated that responsibility for so long that you don't have enough time before she's out of your house to actually fix that issue, right? You 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 don't have time to build your own spiritual credibility to actually preach the gospel to her.
1: Well, and, and uh, I think it's Vodibacum who uses the idea of uh, of credit, right? If you if you if you say you're going to give out, uh, I'm going to spend this this credit with you, uh, and tell you something that you ought to do. You know, if if the bank's empty, if the bank account's empty. Then that check's going to bounce, right? So if you're living in this hypocrisy your entire life, if you're telling your kids one way to live and you're not living it and you haven't been living it and there's no visible change, you know, even you know, the kids will forgive you if they, if they see change in your life, if they see you redirecting yourself, reorienting yourself. You know, They see you treating you the treat wife differently. They see you treating them differently. They see you being someone who's compassionate, uh, not, not, a, not in the feminine sense in which we talk about it today, but operating from a position of authority and strength. You're, you're representing Christ in your relationship to your wife, and you're representing the father in your relation to your children. When you do these things, then it adds credibility to what you say. And when you own your own sins, you know, say, "Hey, look, I've sinned against you for this long, and I was I was wrong for doing that. Uh, let me repent to you." And from that position of repentance, you're you're telling your children, "Look, you know, you got to acknowledge your own sinfulness." There's forgiveness that can come from that, and it can build your own credibility. Uh, but you know, there are people who do. You know they, they they immediately go get up from the altar because they went down to the altar call, and as soon as they get up from the altar, they want some kind of authority in the church, and those people need to sit down and hush and listen. They need to be taught, because the thing that brought them to repent to begin with is the thing that's going to teach them how to be better. You you don't have authority just because you went down and repented, you know. I, I altar calls are really un, un unbiblical to begin with, but. Um, I, I know a lot of churches that still operate that way, right? And so I'm I'm going to point at that not only as an unbiblical institution, but but or an unbiblical practice rather, but also in that you don't have credibility just because you went down and repented. You have credibility when you live a life of repentance, when you're actually changing how you live, not just what you said this one time, or not because you prayed a prayer not even because you got baptized but because you have substantive uh uh change in your life substantive uh re- s- substantive sanctification right you're actually conformed to to the image of the son of god
0: and i think a lot of that is after after a, like so after a man comes to know christ he enters this very radical, rabid stage, you know, the uh, the Calvinists would call it like a cage stage. Uh, even if they're not Calvinists, even they get, you know, they get converted within a non-reformed style church. They get this, okay, we got to change all this, we got to do this, we got to do this. Well, maybe take a step back and just sit and learn. Like, you just need to learn for a little bit. You need to... You know, you need to establish your own life first, as Jordan Peterson says. You know, whatever my our audience thinks of him, but he has great advice. Clean your room. So, and as a man, it's it's harder, especially when you're trying to lead a family, to to fix your own crap first before you start. You know, harping on your wife that oh, well, you need to just submit because that's what the Bible says. Well. You need to learn submission to your authorities before you can teach your wife how to submit properly. That was a big that that I'll tell you right there that right there was an eye opener for me is because I did not submit to my authorities. My wife did not have anyone to model her submission off of. So um so, so essentially when, once you get converted, once you realize that I need to fix my family, well, first off, submit to your elders and model good submission for the rest of your family. And if you can model that, if you can humble yourself, th- then that sets a, a, a better prerequisite that, as you were saying earlier, that, that gives credit to your bank account to actually go and you know go and change the stuff that you need to change. But it takes time. It's not an overnight thing. It's, it's a daily process of you walking and living the life. Yeah, you're going to screw up. But if they see you that you're truly repenting of the times that you screw up, they're going to see that also. And they're going to start, you know, being more like Christ as they see you grow to be more like Christ.
1: Well, and this is, uh, you know, I, I think this comes from... Uh... You know, our overemphasis on soteriology, right? Um, we, We always talk about the blood of Christ, which is amazing. I don't want to undermine that. We always talk about the sacrificial life and death of Christ. I don't want to take away from that. We always talk about the resurrection of Christ. I don't want to take away from that. Those are amazing things that should be talked about. But it's the subsequent conforming of what you are to the image of Christ. Um, in the reform circles we would call this sanctification as I called it earlier you know when we say well we were saved we're talking all the way up to justification in the order of salutis right you know we were predestined we, we were foreknown predestined we were uh, uh, sovereignly called by the spirit we repented and then there was justification and we stop at justification well that's salvation right we're justified we're justified by the blood of Christ well yes but here's the kicker the fruits of the spirit and and you know the whole idea of fruit is that it's a it's it's the slow game it's the long term game right you don't grow fruit overnight you got to grow that fruit over the course of a year or several years especially when you're talking about trees that tree's got to grow, it's got to mature, and then it's going to bring forth fruit. It's got to really take root, right? It's got to survive the cares of the world. We go back to the parable of the four soils. It's got to get through the rocks. It's got to it's not be choked out by all the brush and weeds and everything else. But it lands in the good soil. It takes root. And then when it's fully grown, then it produces, right? And it's, it's, the, it's the slow game uh you know especially in the in the churches in the area where i grew up it was all about you know just well i prayed the prayer and god saved me and you know uh, a bunch of hooping and hollering and screaming and jumping up and down and and praising the lord which you know it's, it's, some of that can be fine and all but then there's no change there's no real repentance there's no turning away from the sin there's going back to your sin in a couple of weeks after the enthusiasm has worn off and that, that just evidences that you weren't saved you just had a, an experience, you had an emotional experience that's not being saved. The, set, the salvation that you get through the change of your heart and regeneration you're going to change, fundamentally change as to who you are and you may still struggle with some of the sins because you can't just redirect your whole being over the course of, a, of an evening. Uh, God occasionally does that, and it's wonderful when he does, but most people don't experience that. Most people, they have this radical transformation of their heart, but the sinful trajectory of their life is still going in that direction. And if you do nothing to change it, you're going to keep going in that direction. And God's going to send torment torment after torment after suffering after pain after sorrow to get you to walk away from your sin. And even Paul talks about uh, handing people over to the destruction of your flesh so that these people would learn not to blaspheme because they were so used to blaspheming. And they had to be turned away from that. Now, what does this got to do with a uh, uh, positive eschatology, well, it, it means that, you know, uh, the suffering and pain that God's going to put you through to cause you to change is going to have positive effects for all of the people around you. You are going to benefit those people around you. And that's a cumulative effect, it adds upon itself. You take that which is given to you. You know, with the with the two stewards who did rightly with the talents, you add something to the pool and you hand it back to the master. And the master, in his good grace, takes the excess which you've produced in in your in your struggles and in your life to do something good. And he multiplies that and sends it out into the world. This is the 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 some ten, some hundred, some thousand-fold yield that you get with the parable of the four soils is God producing from you that which he put into you and those yields go to the other fields so that the word can be continually spread you should you should be that leaven you should be that salt in your community where you're not you're not getting up giving speeches you're not giving up talking about how great things are in your life because you prayed a prayer last week but that you honestly and earnestly contend for the faith that was given to us, that you fundamentally redirect the course of your life through the power of the Spirit to be more like Christ. That has a cumulative effect, and you benefit not only yourself, but you benefit your church. And then if enough of you and your church are solid and, and really cohesive in the church, well, then you redirect that church, and once the church is redirected, you start affecting your community
0: bringing it back to the whole um, the whole sanctification being a process I see sanctification uh, namely perseverance of the saints much akin to, to, to a post-millennial or an optimistic esch- eschatological outlook on the future so So a lot of people they they go into they they argue post-mill that it's just supposed to be an elevator ride straight up, but history bears that out and scripture bears that out completely different, where there's there's times of downwards and there's upward trends. And it's the same within the life of a believer that whenever you first come to Christ and He gives you a new heart. There's times where you're when you're on that trend upwards and that you're mortifying sin and you're being sanctified. But then there's other times where you just hit like a deep valley and you fall into some type of sin that you have to mortify. And it's, it's kind of like, but there's still always a steady trend up. That's one of the biggest difference between a convert and a false convert is the false convert does not have that consistent trend up. So if we're looking at it like a graph, it's gonna kind of like be like the uh, the stock market or whatever. It's gonna go up and it's gonna dip down, but at the end of the day, maybe not the end of the day with the stock market, but you, you kind of at the end of the, <laughs> the bigger picture, it's gonna trend upwards. Like the stock market is gonna continue to grow the same way in the believer's life. Sanctification is gonna continue to grow upwards, and I. You know, I just can't help but whenever I read scriptures, I see all these patterns. So I'm not post-millennial in my eschatology because of the book of Revelation. I'm in it because, I, as I read through scriptures, that, I think we covered a few verses at the beginning of this. Um, I hope, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. We covered some verses at the beginning of this, but when we actually look at scripture from Genesis to Revelation... There's certain frameworks, like a frame of a house, that are there, that we can't help but... I mean, you've got to try really hard to ignore these frameworks. It's, It's the fact that, you know, Christ is, you know, in the Old Testament, Christ is coming and will conquer the enemies... Christ is coming, he's gonna conquer the enemies New Testament, Christ is here You know, let's look at the Gospels Christ is here and he's conquering the enemies And then go to the uh, the, the epistles and it's Christ has conquered Now let's go and win and, and that's these frameworks So whoever you take for the beast of revelation Or the or whatever the mark of the beast is Which I I, I have my own Theories on that, I don't want to get into You know, into, into that on this podcast Um but whoever you fit into the, those little bricks within that 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 framework, the framework is still there and it's not gonna mess with that the framework of the house that's being built um and by house being built, that's a great example of of um uh is it ephesians I think ephesians two here let me look this up right quick. Oh my bad, my bad. It's in um, it's in First Peter two five, uh, New American or yeah, New American Standard version. It says, also as living stones, you are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to the God or to God through Christ Jesus. So we are the stones that are being put to this structure. We are literally building material. To house God, you know when it when it says that Christ came and tabernacled among us in uh in John chapter one, literally he is he is tabernacled among us, he is living with us in that day he was living physically on this earth, now he is living with us, ruling and reigning in heavens, and he has given his spirit to live literally to tabernacle with inside us. And how can we lose? How are we going to lose now?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is what I'm saying. So the, the, the I'll, I'll guess I'll go ahead and drop my spiel now, right? My big, my big post mill spiel. So you've got God the Father in heaven, who's the provider, the protector, the keeper, right? You've got the Son, who's right beside you. He's not only the light for you to walk with; he's not only the the God man. He is not only the standard by which we live, but he's also your brother. He's also your friend. He's standing right beside you, walking with you. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you that keeps you, that enlightens your mind, that sets the path before you to walk. You've got the the Holy Scriptures that gives you special revelation. That tells you about all that God's done for you, gives you the tradition that he's given to us through the scriptures as a way to give us special insight into who he is and how to understand him. You've got the body of Christ that will help to help to uh, sharpen you and help to purify you. You've got your family, which is there to give you dignity and to give you honor and to 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 help you fulfill that which you were called to fulfill you've got all the blessings the the gross and embarrassment of riches that he's given you in our current society uh despite all of the evil that we like to talk about in our in our surroundings right now we we are grossly rich in the states right we have we have way more wealth even the poor people have way more wealth than anybody in the history of humankind has had. You have way more access to information. You have way more access to education. You have way more access to uh, the proofs of uh, creation and the proofs of his holding all things together. You've got creation itself Which, you know, Psalm 19, Romans 1, you can't help but look at creation without understanding that God is there, present, imminent even, in our lives. You've got all of this stuff. He's provided everything that you need. Everything you could ever want, even. You have way more than you need. And we act like we're poor, pitiful men who just can't do anything. Well, yeah, you can do something. You're not going to be William the Conqueror. You're not going to be Alexander the Great. You're going to be the guy who's forgotten in the ranks. You're going to be the guy who suffers. You're going to be the guy who puts his life on the line when nobody else will do that. But that doesn't matter. You're not doing it for the wealth. You're not doing it for the fame. You're doing it for the glory of God. If your name is never remembered, you are building the kingdom of God. God will remember your name, and that's the only one that we should worry about. But even more than that, how are you going to lose? He's given you everything. He owns everything. He's he's patterned creation such that you are most successful when you act according to his law and his goodness and his, his beauty and his truth. And you're going to lose?
0: So uh, I'm looking right now at Ephesians one eighteen. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you... Will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the boundless greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are, in accordance with the working of the strength and of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come, and that he has put all things in subjection under his feet, and made him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He rose from the dead, guys, and and we're not going to (laughs) lose. I mean, I I don't want to keep stressing this, but... One of the biggest problems in Southern Christianity is the whole pessimistic outlook. It's like, why, why polish brass on a sinking ship? Well, number one, because we're commanded to. We're we're yeah. commanded to to uh to to have dominion over this earth. But more than that, He's already conquered our foes. He's already conquered the demons that that are sitting in D.C. right now. He's conquered those. It's it's just right now in the outworking of time, how are we going to be used by him to conquer those?
1: Well, I'll even go further than that. Why should we polish the brass on the sinking ship, right? Well, uh, you know, first off, you know, he's told us to. But you know, I'll go back to Jonathan Edwards on this. It is but your reasonable duty that you do all things under Christ. You sacrifice everything that you have, right? And, and it's this, this childlike faith that we have in Christ, that we give all of the outcome to him. We give all of the, the, the proceeds to God. God's going God's to reap the, the harvest. We have to go out and sow. But the goodness of God is that not only does he reap the harvest – he includes you in the harvest. You reap some of the benefits by being his good servant. You know what happened to the man who uh, doubled his talents? You know he took five talents and turned them into ten. Right? He he took the one talent from the guy who made nothing and he handed it to the guy with ten talents. Yeah. Nobody could have known the guy with with five talents. Nobody had to know that guy's name. We don't know his name. His name is irrelevant in this sense. And that says something. He's telling a story of of, of an unknown servant. Who's the servant? Well, it doesn't matter who the servant is because God's going to remember the name of the servant. You're doing this for him. You're not doing this for your family. You're not even doing it for yourself. You're doing it for him. And all of the joys that you have that you put into your family because you love God, right? All of the joys that you receive from that are yours, but because you've done that to his honor and to his glory and to his name. And this is how we win. It's not about you. It's about God. We're so captivated with our own glory and our own wonder and our own benefit even. That we forget we're doing this all for Christ.
0: Well, to bring it a little bit more to a, uh, a practical basis, uh, going back to the man, to the man with the talent, uh, what what's more valuable, a talent or a child? If you have one child, and if that's all you have, you know that that's all it's been given to. You. If you have one child, don't squander that immortal soul. That that God has preordained for you to have, you will be judged on how you raise that child. Yes. So, if you if you invest and you disciple that child to be Christian and to walk and to walk within His statutes, you will be blessed uh, immeasurably, because not only is that child going to be a believer. They're going to have grandchildren that will be believers. Hopefully, that they would have great grandchildren that are believers, and then it just keeps going. And those souls last for eternity. Like, like that. That's I mean, this is well, gift that I'm, keeps I'm, on giving.
1: Well, what I'm saying, I think, is on a practical level because you're you're supposed to go out and you're supposed to do certain things. You're supposed to withstand, uh, abstain from things that would cause you to fall into sin. And you know what those things are. You know, if you have a problem with pornography, you probably need to limit the time you're on a computer, right? Because it, just being on that computer, you have certain habits that you're going to get into. You're going to fall back into watching pornography. Well, you need to avoid those habits. You need to consciously avoid doing those things because it's better to consciously avoid that and even be made to look out, you know, to, made to be look foolish. Um, you know, kill that habit. Kill that sin, because that sin is going to destroy you. It's going to sap everything from you. And, you know, pornography is prevalent in the church today. We don't like to talk about it, but it's there. I think I think one of the biggest things that you could do over this next year is if you've got a problem with pornography, kill that problem. Stop it. Do everything that you got to do. You covenant with your wife. You covenant with your children. And, you know, in as much as it's, it's uh, uh, appropriate to, to reveal this information, I mean, you need, to, you need to kill the habit. You need to kill that, that desire to so spend this entire next year killing that desire. You doing that is building the kingdom of God because you're building a more holy vessel for God to reside in because God's in your heart if you're his. If you're his, he's in your heart and he's guiding you. He's already pushing you towards this. Do the thing that you know you need to do. And this mindset that I'm talking about, you know, you you think, well, I'm just going to fail. Well, don't worry about the end result, in a sense. In a sense, you need to worry about stopping the things that you know lead you to the end result. God's given you wisdom. He's given you uh, uh, an eye to see. Change how you act so you no longer fall into those problems. And the mindset itself, I think, is... Uh, an absolute prerequisite that you don't care what happens to you you care about honoring Christ first
0: amen and amen so once we get our once we get our, our family taken care of how do we go about changing a community by using those same principles and um, I'll be the first person to tell you is like I don't know, <laughs> but but I have some ideas.
1: Uh, well, there are ideas floating out. You know, there the, the pe- there are a lot of wise people who have been doing this stuff for a while. You know, um, we, we we plug Doug Wilson on this podcast a lot, but you know, I, I would look at his book Productivity. You know, just work to be a better workman. Let your let your boss see the improvement in your work it matters you're already a good worker let them see that you've improved more let them see you go above and beyond let them see that you accept more and more responsibility around the shop or around the yard or around uh, the crew you know where whatever you're doing um, and you know when they when they compliment it on you don't talk about how you're doing good work don't talk about how great you're doing and and don't talk to yourself that way you you tell them you know god's convicted me and i wanted to do better cuz that's why you should be doing it to begin with um and and as and as that spreads people will see that and they'll take notice and you'll you can you can teach them and they'll be more ready to hear from you if you have the mindset of a humble follower of christ this is this is something that is psychologically true. And you're not taking advantage of anybody. You're pointing them back to Christ. Um, this mindset can become infective, you know, and, 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 and it, it it infects I mean, just as a bad attitude can infect. Uh, this kind of goes with the whole being being the leaven in the bread or being the, the, the salt, right? A little bit of salt savors the whole lump. Well, this is this is you, be the salt. Go into the workspace where they're um, destructive and complain about everything, and then just laud the Lord for giving you everything and for being a good uh, a good provider, and try to mimic that. That's a small way you can do it, but the, the bigger ways is you can influence your church. You can talk to, you know, talk to your local magistrates. Go get to know your your uh, your sheriff. Go get to know your your farmer. You know, if they have issues with uh knowing the lord then proselytize them you know try to share the gospel with them if they don't know the lord if they do build a relationship there and uh you know try to help other people see the value of shopping with this this farmer that you know that's that's trying to spread the good word
0: and the best way to proselytize is to give them money Unironically, <laughs> I mean, think about it. They're, they're yeah. more apt to listen to you if they know that they can count on you for, you know, part of their paycheck, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you're helping
1: them out. I mean, I, I give a cup of water in the name of the Lord, whether you're doing that and whether you're doing that for or uh, not for profit. I don't think it really matters. But whatever you do, you know, make sure you're giving honor and glory to Christ. Absolutely.
0: Uh, another, another thing would be uh, it's, it's very v- general and vague, but love your neighbor. Uh, how many times have we actually talked to our neighbor and uh not not even just with with a general purpose of uh you know trying to proselytize him or anything like that, but just trying to build a relationship so right now the you know the the South is having a very heavily you know ha- a heavy influx of migrants down here but and I'm not talking about like migrants from other countries. I'm talking well, I guess it would be another country. It's from they're from the north. <laughs> um, Yankees. Yeah. Well, Yankees and Northerners, like I, I like to make that distinction because not That's all true. northerners are Yankees. And um one thing that the Lord's really been, you know, pressing me is, you know, to to not to not hate the the, the, the migrants that are coming here because Well, I mean, of course, I'm kind of in a bubble. Like, the the only migrants I actually talk to would be the ones in my church, and we're fairly aligned, but how do I influence them so that they don't make stupid decisions when it comes to voting day? Not for me, I don't think most of them should vote anyways, because they haven't been here long enough, but the fact of the matter is, is because of universal suffrage, they're going to vote anyways. So... How do I make them not make the same mistake they made in their their previous state, uh, where what that basically ruined their state? That's the reason they're coming down here, and uh, that that's offering valid principles and, and and converting them to not only converting them to Christ, but converting them to the the glories of of Dixie, right? Um, you know, I'm I, you know be unabashedly proud of where you're from. And, uh, I mean, people are, people are fairly impressed when they find out, you know, how deep someone's roots goes in an area, because that's very rare these days, you know, so someone like me, who's, whose family has been in the same state for, you know, heck, before it was even a state, you know, I like to brag about that a lot, but, um, sometimes it could be a point of pride, and I don't think it's necessarily always sinful pride, but, People are impressed like, oh, so your family's been down here for 200 and some odd years. I'm like, yeah, so that's why I don't want you to, you know, screw up my home. You know, (laughs) I don't I don't want you to crap on my streets, basically. But but loving your neighbor and showing them that there's a better way to live than the where they just came from is a major step, because if not. If you don't build a build a relationship and a repertoire with these people, they're not going to give two flying flips about you. They're not. They're just going to look at you as some salty Southerner who hates them. We we should.
1: And the thing they don't expect is for you, who has great pride in the South and and great love for the South, and you love your heritage, for you to come over and be. The nicest person in the world to them, they'll be duly impressed if you are a a wonderful neighbor to them. You know, even if they're, you know, one of these liberals that are coming in, uh, and I mean liberal, liberal. If you befriend them and you speak to them, and you know when they give their terrible opinions on things, you don't just beat them over the head for having a bad opinion on things. You talk with them and try to and try to help them get out of their evils uh but you're doing so as a friend you know even if they never really come to our side they'll appreciate the fact that instead of just beating them over the head you were a friend to them you were a neighbor to them and you you win their hearts that way you know so when they when i talk to their liberal friends about you know oh you're down south you must be next to those racists or those bigots or this or that right those those uh closed-minded individuals. Well, you know, they really weren't that way. They talked to me. They they were a friend to me. And that actually lends more credibility to what you believe. And when they talk to their liberal friends, I know people like this. They came down south expecting uh a bunch of, you know, brash and arrogant southerns, and what they found was uh we wanted to cook them a bowl of gumbo. You know, we wanted to give them some pie. We wanted to talk their heads off after church for about an hour and a half, you know? And they weren't expecting it.
0: We showed them what a real barbecue was, and it's not freaking hot dogs and burgers. It's, you know, <laughs> nice, big, juicy pulled pork.
1: <laughs> right. And, <laughs> Sorry to and my they Texas were, friends. Uh, well, you know, Texas got a little bit more problems than just their barbecue, quote-unquote. <sighs> um, but... <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get heat from the Texans tonight.
0: Beans um, go in chili <laughs> uh,
1: no, but I mean this is this is all part of it, right? I mean you're you're representing Christ. Uh, Christ Christ did absolutely flip the tables on the mon- on the money changers, right But when he engaged the harlot in the street who was also uh, 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 a, a, a mixed breed, where all the all the Jewish people didn't want to associate with her because she was a mixed breed. He gave her the waters of life. You know, does it? It doesn't matter what any any kind of prejudice you may have, or they may think that you have. If you demonstrate otherwise, if you demonstrate true Christian love, then they don't have a response to you. Uh, you know, this is a Romans twelve thing. Uh, do good to those who do evil against you, so that you heat coals upon their head. You know that they'll be convicted when you are kind and loving to them, instead of acting the way that they think you're going to act to them.
0: And what if it was just absolutely ironic, if, if the reason that God—I mean, think about—if if you know if we're going to be consistent with our theology, you know, me and you are both reformed. Uh, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are reformed. But what if it's just an ironic twist of fate? That they're coming down here, and God has purposed that they come down here for a specific reason, and that reason is is so that we can turn the into that we can show them the beauties of the South and the South's God in order to disciple the rest of the nation
1: Well, I mean that if you if you go read the New York Times, if you go read the BBC. If you go read a lot of these big these big um, news organizations, they' are lamenting, they've been lamenting for the last decade or so the what they call the Southernification of the rural areas across the country. And what's happened is that a lot of these guys out in the rural areas have actually opened up textbooks and seen uh, well I, I'm sorry, they, they have the textbooks but they open up a history document. Because they have access to the Library of Congress, for instance, and they can go look at h- actual historical documents. They don't need an intermediary to explain history to them because they can go read it. And they're finding out that a lot of the a lot of the lies and propaganda that the North pushed about the South were wrong, just flat out wrong. Uh, and then over the last ten years, you've seen you know the. Across the St. Andrews, flying in Ohio, in the rural areas, or flying in in Montana, and these these aren't traditionally Southern areas, but they've become Southern in a way because they've adopted the ethos of the South, and they've 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 acknowledged the the error that they made with siding with the North historically. Um, and this is because of the, the, the recognition of who the, who the Southern people are. And, I, and I, you know, that kind of goes back to, you know, hey, we're, you can't be a, bitty, a, a bitter Southern because you just you, – you kill that thing about the South, that, that, that goodness about the Southern people. You kill that in yourself when you just become bitter and angry at everybody. Uh, and you, you turn people off. To even entertaining the idea of changing their ways.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the South is known, and it's been known for a while, as you know, we have the Southern hospitality. Uh, A a lot of a lot of the the more hardcore Southerners have seemed to lose that because they're just salty and bitter. And honestly, I don't blame the ones that are salty and bitter i I completely understand, and that's something that I've had to work through so that I would not be salty and bitter because I could definitely be it you know i mean i've got I've got roads running straight through good farmland and I've got subdivisions that are cutting down you know hundred year old pecan orchards so I, I've definitely have some reasons to be salty, but I can't change that right now let me worry about the things that i can actually change and the things that i can change is, is the the families that are that have started attending my church that have migrated you know down here out of you know yankeedom let me befriend these people and and, and show them what's good about the south you know let let's you know show them Why we're the greatest place on Earth. Let's show them. And and then maybe they'll adopt our culture. You know, I've I've had many people come to me. as like, look, I've lived all over the United States. And quite frankly, the South is the best place to live because y'all's culture is amazing. And I'm like, I know. I know. And I don't want you to change that. You know? Now, now, we can't keep looking back when I say I don't want to change that. Like, I understand that we're going to have to grow our traditions we have to keep our traditions but also continue to work with the times if not then we're just going to be an Amish community which that's not necessarily terrible but i i think there's something better than be stuck in the uh in in the 19th century when we have the entire future ahead of us our culture will die unless we learn to em- embrace, you know, embrace the coming years. And um I think we should take the the good from the south and keep it into the future and then also adapt and and we can create our own traditions. I mean, think about it. This the south had traditions that they brought over with them from England, but then they established a lot of new traditions once they came over here. They they actually grew with the times. And they weren't just some stick in the mud. Now I'm the, you know, I'm the first one to tell you I'm, I'm really tough to make changes. Um, I pretty much put my feet down, and I, you know, like I said uh, a few days ago, I'm not the one that's changed. I'm not the one that. You know, started making big decisions on my political theories, and and I've been the same person. I've have held pretty much the same beliefs, even when I had, you know, quote unquote, different political theories. But I, I I'm seeing now that the world's not going to stop turning. So let's look at look at the good that that's happening in in um, the 21st century right now, and let's adopt that. While still holding on to the traditions of the past, the good traditions of the past, and bring them on to a brighter future tomorrow. And I think that's that's key because you know, bringing it back to to the the whole topic of this podcast in post millennialism, we are we are literally setting foundations for the future, and we're we're building on top of the the the, the traditions and the foundations of the past, namely the Holy oh. Scriptures
1: well it's this tension right you have this tension between um, what you've been given and where you're trying to go uh, wh- where you came from what you are what you've been given you know this is this is a way for you to tell what you are and if you take the the good elements of what you are and you understand those uh, what are the what are the best possible um outworkings of those attributes, and that's where you're you're wanting to be. What are the most godly um, what are the most godly representation of of this specific attitude? So let's take you know Southern hospitality, right uh, what, what is the most godly presentation or or outworking of Southern hospitality? And and, you know, focus on that. Try to be that to the people around you and in your life and uh, really, really dig into that. What does that mean? What does it mean to be good to your neighbor? Uh, That that's a that's a. One element, just one. That we can think of and and try to build upon
0: So, oh, um, where do you want to go from here? We're right at about an hour.
1: Um, you know, I, I, think we got a lot, a lot more into uh the scriptures than I thought we would. Yeah. I, don't, I know that sounds bad, but uh, I, I honestly didn't think we would get that deep into it, but we did.
0: Oh, well, that's fine. I mean, I'm just hoping we're not talking over people's heads. Um, I don't think no, we I mean, are. I mean, I think we have a fairly intelligent audience.
1: Um, I mean, the, the, the two things that we were focusing on was mindset and action, right? And and not being caught up in this Doomer and Coomer mentality, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, this is just the first setup, right? We when you, when you probably need to have more. We were kind of all over the map. So we can say introduction to a positive eschatology, mm-hmm. and then as we get into more specifics, we can kind of expand from there. Like, what does this mean? What does that mean? How do we outlive, outwork this, etc.
0: Well, I mean, um yeah, I mean, we're we're just building frameworks right now. I mean, the the entire, you know, I mean, the whole reason we went through Dabney is to build a foundation, right? We want to build a foundation right. for. For not only the podcast but even for our personal lives and I know since I've started since you know we started this podcast I've uh I've experienced some some are you knowledge. recording right now yeah I'm still recording
1: okay um, all right keep going
0: okay I, I've experienced some um pretty uh significant changes you know just in the, my outlook if if not my actions also and um while well, while well, I mean, I th- I think I think doing the podcast helps me decompress and actually walk out or flesh out a lot of the the ideas that rolled through my head, like whenever I was reading the book Dabney on Fire, whenever I read the holy scriptures, whenever I, you know, uh, we're talking about post millennium whenever I think about and listen to a lot of post millennialism lectures and it and it helps decompress flesh out and ag- I can actually put it into action and um I do have a sense of accountability because if if I'm in the same place I am right now next year at this time then I've not only failed me and my family but I've failed the audience as well um I mean because... you're kind of
1: you're kind of journaling for the world right now right, right.
0: <laughs> right, I mean, but but think about it. Why why do people listen to podcasts? I mean, I, I guess it's because people think I'm intelligent. I don't I don't know, um, but but it's because a lot of times when I and for me I listen to podcast because well I want to know what this other guy thinks. I'm not saying he's some you know um, guru or anything like that, but if he if he has enough time to sit down and actually put his his thoughts into words and to record it and then to edit it and then to upload it well he must have some semblance of what he's talking about so um all this to say is this the podcast really helps push me to be better in in my station in life Uh, i keep using that term station in life because that's kind of it's kind of something that's just been like water dripping in my head for a while i'm just thinking about okay we need to be faithful in our station in life and if we're not faithful there, then why the I mean what why should I want why why should Christ give me the world, right? Why why should he give me all this you know, everything else if I'm not faithful with what he's actually given me, right? And well um, I mean he,
1: he who is faithful with a little would be faithful with a lot, right?
0: Right. I mean, Christ right, right.
1: actually said that. So I mean the, the whole the whole deal is um you know, he, he's gonna test you with small things. And I don't want to dip too far into it, but I mean, getting back to the whole concept of uh, being content with the fact that you probably will never, nobody will ever know your name. Be content with that. Uh, it, it doesn't matter that your name has recognition. And it's this, it's this mentality that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, you know, if you're faithful with that thing, If you're faithful with the little thing that nobody notices, God sees that, and God will reward you for that. Uh, He's going to give you the desire and the love to do the right thing. He's going to give you the faithfulness and the industriousness to make it profitable. And then he's going to reward you like it was your idea. And all you have to do is walk a little bit. Uh and and well I mean I say that, but you're gonna have to suffer as well. Um I, I wanna make sure that I'm I'm being very clear about that because I mean that nothing that is worth having is gonna be without suffering. You're gonna have to suffer for it.
0: So so uh Nikolaus Zinzendorf is accredited with a quote, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. We should be we should be content to be forgotten after we die as long as we were faithful in in, in where we've been placed so i i don't even think that mo- that christians will be forgotten like i think they're you know their name is literally lit written in the lamb's book of life right that's in revelation uh, i right? meant
1: by men i didn't mean by no, god no 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 me. i i get it yeah. but
0: but think about it think about it in eternity when we're on the new heavens and new earth when we've been resurrected and been given glorified bodies we're we're literally not going to be forgotten because we will live forever. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, men like Zuckerberg and Bezos that have no, you know, eternal state, at least no good eternal state, they will be forgotten in eternity. <laughs> it's kind of humbling if you think about it. Like, the, these... "Quote unquote great men of today, these these you know ultra billionaires. They're what what's what's it worth? Like you're you're just gonna be forgotten to you know everyone in within a you know couple centuries, right? Yeah. So I mean, screw it. I uh, mean.
1: There's a little hymn by uh, I say it's a hymn. It's a little song by uh, uh, someone I just. Uh, an artist I just recently found through my life uh, her name is Sarah Sparks and she does a she's got a a, a uh, album centered around the Narnia series uh, one of her songs is the new song of Trumpkin and I, I think this one's really been digging into me the last couple of days uh, the chorus goes as such I've forgotten who I am and who you are because the truth of all my worth can only be found in your scars, so I'm learning how to die. Because that's what you're asking for. He wants you to die for him. That's I mean, what he's, he's what he's told you to do. But um, uh, give me a moment, because I gotta I gotta get the scripture reference in my head. Uh-huh.
0: Um, well, while you look for that, I he's... just want to make one comment. Yeah, go ahead. We're too afraid to die these days. I mean yeah. th- there there's far worse fates there's far worse fates than death. I mean think about it, think about it. Especially for Christian. We look at it and Christ conquered death. Why are we afraid to die?
1: What are they gonna do? Send you to heaven?
0: Right. Oh,
1: oh, gosh! I'll, I'll be with Christ
0: forever now. Darn it! Oh no! <laughs> I'm so
1: scared. Uh, I I don't mean to belittle that. I mean it's it. There there's things there's considerations, right? I mean you've got your family, you've got your you've got your community. There's things that you know you you are trying to do, and, and it's hard to let go of that. But um, you know the Bible tells us that it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. You're yeah. invincible until God decides you're ready to die.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, you know, obviously de- death is, is a time of mourning, but why do we mourn over death? Like, even the atheists mourn over death, but it, death in their worldview means nothing, you know? Well, it's, only I, in, I, the... it's only in our yeah. worldview that death is unnatural, and that's why we mourn.
1: Well, but even the mourning... You know, if someone's a, a believer, the, the morning is is covered with the joy that we know that we'll see them again. They're they're up there with Christ. They're not suffering anymore, they're not in pain anymore. We give these little these little nods, you know, they're in a better place and all these little things that we say, but you know, the, the reality is, is if these people have been saved they're in heaven with Christ. They—they've made it. You need to rejoice for them. Be happy. You know, obviously there's sorrow because you're going to miss them, and uh, but that's not the end. That's not that's not the finish. That's not the end of the story. You're going to see them again, so you don't mourn as the pagans mourn. You mourn because. You'll miss them, but you also have joy because you'll see them again. Now, if they're if they're not saved, if they are a pagan, then that's a different kind of mourning. Um, you know, but for believers, if you're a believer, be focused on Christ. Be be focused on on seeing Christ. Uh, not not just in, you know, we're not supposed to be suicidal. Be wise. Uh, walk properly. Don't don't be a fool. But don't be so concerned with suffering and death and pain that you avoid all elements of, of production because you just want to live comfortably. The, the pool of the world right now is to live comfortably. We have so much that we've been lavished with, with riches that in a way it's become a trap that we're stuck in the desire to feel comfort and because we want to feel comfort, we're willing to sacrifice goodness and truth and beauty. And we need to learn to take that which we've been given and, and use it to benefit the body of Christ and use it to benefit the kingdom economically, socially. Go help the widow down the street, mow her lawn, go, you know, help her get her groceries. Um, uh, care for the people in your community. Is- Give. Give. Of yourself all the time
0: well, isn't that the whole the whole point of, of you know like we not the whole point, but the whole gripe of 2020 is people were so afraid of death they were literally willing to be imprisoned within their own confines of their own home and not live life because they were so afraid of dying.
1: Oh, that is well, just, it, is crazy. it's crazy. It's it's even worse than that, though, because they were they were they were so afraid of the suffering that would come with COVID. It's not just the dying; they don't want to even suffer from COVID, and so they're willing to become slaves to avoid a little bit of suffering. Um, that's a culture of death. You give up living. You give up life itself you give up goodness just so you can be
0: comfortable speaking of death um, so in 2019 I lost two people very close to me like literally with a month apart and if I would not have had a firm theological foundation I probably would have absolutely went crazy that year but um, that, that's just a complete aside, because, you know, I, I do have that hope. I, I do know that death is not the end, because, you know, Christ rose from the dead. Like, I mean, I can't stress that enough. Christ rose from the dead. That's the reason we have hope for tomorrow. And, um yeah, the, the pagan doesn't have that. that. That's why, you know, we should rejoice, and they, you know, they should be cast, you know, with derision.
1: Well, and and the you know we've suffered this year too. I mean, you you and I have talked for you know quite a bit about some of the stuff going on in my life. Um, It's it's not as if we're immune to suffering. There's a lot of there's a lot of suffering to go around. There's a lot of pain that can be had right now, but that's not something that we want to wallow in. You know, we talk about it and we want to vent or get it off our chest and. Uh, but the but the goal was not to to feel settled in that pain and in that sorrow and in that suffering. It's to transcend it, and sometimes vocalizing it helps you to transcend it. Sometimes shutting up helps you to transcend it and to conquer it. So just it's there's a there's wisdom that you have to you have to exercise there. But um, you know we're not what we're saying is not from a position of absolute comfort where we're not suffering too. You know this year's been hard on a lot of people. Uh, I think that's been evident by the fact that suicides have massively risen over the last year Uh, because people are hopeless. They've given up. And learning how to build through the ways of Christ is and centered around Christ is, is I mean, this is where we get our hope. Christ is going to conquer all things. He's going to bring all of his enemies to submission, and they will be a split stool. But don't worry about the future. Worry about doing what God's given you. And focus on that. Um,
0: and, and I know some people are going to listen to this and be like, oh, they're just sitting over there thumping the Bible the whole time. It's was like, well, no. I mean, the the whole point of you know, being so it's where southern men de reconstructing the South is we are literally de reconstructing it and we're taking it down to its base and we must start with a firm foundation that is Christ. And that's the only way we'll ever build anything to stand. So uh ju- just strictly speaking, anybody that says, you know, that we're we're just harping too much on on these these spiritual truths it's a foundation if you don't have the foundation, you're gonna falter you know where are you where are you going to build your foundation on the rock or in the sand and uh Christ says that the um the storms came, and the man that built his house upon the sand it was washed away and well, um, i mean
1: i'll I'll thump on the bible all day oh i
0: know? I will too I will too i mean i I'm just saying that you know. I'm just anticipating that argument that if anybody yeah. tries to throw that up, like, well, yeah, we're we're we we are Bible thumpers unapologetically, and uh, <laughs> this is this is the reason that we we thumpeth the Bible a loteth to uh, quote the King James James people out there.
1: Yeah, what's that mean? What's that meme? What's that meme uh, 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 you know the Bible thumpers down there? Well, yes, yes, the Bible thumper is me.
0: Rebel dot Chad meme dot yes.
1: Yes, exactly. That JPEG. Yeah, um,
0: whatever. I, I, I'm still not up on all those. Yeah, anyways.
1: It's okay. We love <laughs> you still. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, it, we're going back to the source of truth and goodness. Um, you know, my 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 goal this year has been more consistent with uh, consuming the Bible. Uh, not just trying to proof text, but to really just read it. And be consistent in that. And I did absolutely terribly. At the first part of this year. But uh, as the years kind of. Trickled on. I've gotten better. Um, and I'm still. i still got a long way to go. You know that, that, that old cliche. You know I don't read as much as I need to. Well I'm, I'm really realizing how badly I need to read. You know. Uh, and. I'm trying to amend that, you know, genuinely trying to change that, where where I can consume the word, feed upon the word. There's a spiritual nourishment that comes from that that you need to be you need to be partaking in daily.
0: Well, it's a common means of grace. It's it's something that that's it's. Excuse me. Yeah, a common means of grace. It's a common thing that God uses to accomplish His ends. So. I, i've I, you know i've started the first of the year and i'm like i'm gonna read the bible every single day uh don't always do it but i make up for it on the days that you know like i catch up so my bible reading plan is is uh fairly um hefty i would say Um uh, i don't rec I, I don't recommend it for the average you know per person that's just jumping out of the gate but I have a lot of time, you know, to listen to podcasts and stuff like that. So I basically removed one podcast from my playlist. And then I just substituted that with reading or listening to the scriptures. Because listening to the scriptures is how, you know, the majority of the Christian church throughout time has received the scriptures. They didn't have a book that they took home and they read, you know, around the dinner table at night. They listened to it and we have access where we can listen to it literally 24/7 if we wanted to you know so so my bible reading plan was i want to get through the bible this year so let's just pick one i was like oh this one looks nice and it was the bible in 90 days so i listened to the bible in 90 days that's a chunk let me tell you something but but it was worth it like i've, no, I've noticed a a significant improvement with how i interact with the world commonly right and you don't have to do that even if it's just a chapter a day like just take one book of the new testament a short book like take philemon or something like that read that you know the next day go to ephesians read chapter one of ephesians next day read chapter two and in six days hold on is it six days yeah, six days, you're done with the entire book of Ephesians. Then jump over to the Gospels. Go through Mark. And then, you know, you're, you're through with Mark. And um, let's see, how long is Mark? I should know this because I just finished today. Sixteen chapters of Mark. After 16 days, you're done with the book of Mark. And just keep chipping away at it like that. And if you can read more than one chapter, push yourself. But just start and just chip away at it. And you're going to notice an actual result at the end of, let's just say, if you do it consistently for too much, you're going to notice results. You're going to notice that I'm thinking differently. I, I'm acting differently. I, I feel better when I do this. I feel missing if I, you know, something's missing if I don't do that, you know. And, and associate it with a, a positive good. So uh, one person told me that he likes to drink coffee in the mornings. So he just associated reading the Bible with drinking coffee. So he has that wonderful cup of coffee and then he reads the scriptures while he's drinking, watching the sun come up. You can do that, do it. I think that's freaking great. You know, that doesn't fit my lifestyle, but just figure out something to fit your lifestyle. If you take one thing away from this podcast, it's read your Bible.
1: Well, and and for me it's just been, you know, set a time frame, right? Ten minutes a day. Start with ten minutes a day. Uh, you know, your goal for the for the entire day is to sneak away ten minutes to read the scriptures. Preferably when you get up in the morning. If you have a ten minute commute to work, listen to the Bible for ten minutes. There's uh, Bible apps galore out there for free that are that are specifically there to provide you with the Word of God. They have excellent narrators listen to a couple chapters when you get to work that's 10 minutes, you're done pick up where you left off the next day um, it doesn't have to be super complicated, it's just a very simple straightforward way of doing it
0: and this is going to make some people mad out there but you don't need to just listen to the King James get, a, eat, get you know, <laughs> I, I, I would even argue that if you're just listening to it not doing any like hardcore studying the NIV is perfectly fine. It's very easy to understand. Just listen to it. You know, now if you want to get into, like, you know, I, I personally use the New American Standard uh, because if it was good enough for Paul, it was good enough for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a little joke there. But um, I, I like it because it it's just it fits my personality. Uh, I've never really been able to read the the ESV, even though that's what my church uses. But, um, yeah, Figure out when you know. I don't recommend going NLT or or anything, low you know, lower than that on the reading scale. But NIV is fine if you just want to listen to that on your way to work. But uh, yeah, just don't be afraid to try an easier translation if you're not quite grasping the King James, uh, because they spoke a entirely different type of English than we speak today.
1: Well, I'll even throw throw a bone to the King James guys, right? You know, if you're listening to the King James, uh gotta be honest, that's a beautiful translation of the oh, Bible. I agree. Uh the, the 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 TR is a good document. It's the Texas Receptus, it's the the main document that the, the King James Version was translated off of. It's an excellent document. Uh you you have the whole council of God within that document. There's no problem whatsoever. You get no shame from me. Uh, I'll probably read it alongside with you because I kind of love the old, the old, lang- the, the old English in there. Um, I, I don't typically use that. I typically use uh, uh, Holman, and I typically use ESV. Um, I'm, <clears throat> I, I, I tease my uh, King James only friends and brethren by uh, by talking about the Holman being the only inspired Word of God, um, uh, but I, I just do that for the for the giggles. Uh, don't take it too serious (laughs) Um, but uh, no I mean if you're reading the King James more power to you if you're understanding if you're comprehending the word of God I mean that's really the point right trying to understand what the authors put into the Bible you're trying to pull that out of the Bible Um, you know and if if uh, you need help doing that You know, honestly, there are a lot of online free resources that you can get a hold of that can help you do that. I mean, go get a Matthew Henry commentary. Uh, Get the abridged version because he'll talk your head off. Go find some – I think it's uh, CCEB, I want to say it is. It's like CCBE or CCER. CCEL, that's what it is.
0: Oh yeah, uh, Christian Classics Ethereal Library.
1: Yeah, so ccel.org. They've got tons of books on there that you can look at. Many of them you can download for free. They're resources for people who need to who want to learn and want to expand themselves. You know, get with your pastor, find out some books that he would recommend to you. Go on there, see if you can get them for free. Uh, that that might be a good resource for you. Um, you know, build those, build some relationships so that you know, uh, you know, at least one guy that you can go to that's got very good book recommendations for you uh, to help you pull out of the text. I mean, the whole idea is to understand what's in the text. And if you need some help, people going back into the history, the cultures of the time, all of that stuff, then, you know, Use that resource. It's readily available on the internet. Use the powerful internet that that we've been given to, to 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 benefit yourself. And you can do it over your phone. Download it straight to your phone.
0: So, so one thing I also recommend is uh, if you can, if you can find someone to actually read read it with you to like go through the plan with you, do that. So, I um I use U version just because it's easy. I don't recommend a lot of the um bible reading plans on there because the devotions kind of suck um, Yeah, they they do but I've, I've found some good ones that's where I found my uh, bible in 90 days and my uh, the new testament in 30 days where I'm currently going through and I'm doing that with friends I just invite a bunch of people on there and then we can uh, at the end of it it has where you can do a little discussion section uh, sometimes you don't have anything to discuss or you know but that's just one way to hold people accountable or hold yourself accountable to actually do that. Um now YouVersion's good. I think that they do a lot of good stuff, you know, they got the Bible in more hands than, you know, pretty much anyone else that I can think of, but use that resource. Why not? It's free and you, there's a myriad of different versions on there. But um
1: so you know, we started this, this, whole, this whole podcast as kind of an introduction to a positive eschatology, and what are we really saying with that? We're saying a, a, a positive end towards uh, – that, that we're working towards. We have, a, we have an end goal, right? It's the, it's the victory of the kingdom of God. And you've been assured victory because Christ is in control, because Christ is ruling and reigning. Uh, All power and authority has been given unto me. Therefore, go and preach the gospel. We're talking about uh, the majority of this podcast has been about your mindset, about you personally. How can you personally improve yourself? Because this is where it starts. You're you owning the responsibility for yourself and for your family. Um, you know, if we could bullet point this, the the uh, uh, the TL;DL right of this whole podcast would be: first and foremost, know what God expects of you. Second be actively involved in your own sanctification third turn your heart towards your wife live according to knowledge and uh, uh, deal with her properly turn your heart to your children teach them how to live teach them how to act teach them how to how to really think, and then all of the things that you're doing to improve yourself and your family, expand those to your community and do it economically, do it socially, do it spiritually, do it, <clears throat> do it communally, and do all things in the mindset of thanksgiving and humility. So that you not make it all about yourself but you make it about God and network with people who are doing the same thing and then th- that's the start of the positive aspect. don't worry about the negative things that are going to come your way because there's always going to be negatives. there's always if, if you if you so focus on this uh, uh, what's the passage whatever good whatever is good whatever is true whatever is beneficial, Meditate on these things, right? Uh, and do that. Polish the brass on the sinking ship. Why? Because by God, if you're going to go see, if you're going to see uh, Jesus today, you're going to do it on a shiny boat. And you're going to do it for his glory. Right? That's the, that's the mentality we ought to have. Fight with every fiber of your being to make sure the boat don't sink. But if it's going to sink, by God, it's going to be shiny when he sees it. Um, Go out and give of yourself. And don't be afraid of suffering, death, any of the bad things that we come across. If you're fearless and you overcome, people will see that. And if you're kind to them, and if you truly love them with the love of Christ, they'll see that and, I think, respond in kind. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our G.A.B. page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to dixiepolis at protonmail.com or send us a message on G.A.B. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised. And you can listen to them on YouTube or go to the website at southernraisedbluegrass.com. God bless y'all. I know dark clouds will gather around me. I know my way is rough and steep.